I get a lot of questions about ideas to help build the best trading models. And I understand why many aspiring managers feel that this is the critical question to their future success. But I think there is a lot of truth in the saying that most people overvalue ideas and underestimate execution. And what I mean by that is that when you want to start and build a business such as a hedge fund or a CTA, I'm not so sure that the real challenge lies within the design of your investment approach. You see, nowadays, I think that raising the initial funds from seed or early investors have become the biggest obstacle for many new managers. This is something that I have a long experience with, and this is why I wanted to focus on this in today's short episode. So when I looked back through my list of guests to pull a few golden nuggets on this topic, I thought that Kim Bang, who spent many years at a big firm like Bloomberg before starting his own CTA firm with his son, is a perfect person to talk about this. So sit back and relax and enjoy these unique takeaways from my conversation with Kim. And if you would like to listen to the full conversation, which I hope you will, just go to toptradersonplug.com forward slash 77 and also forward slash 78. Enjoy. I, I, I do want to ask, because clearly you have a, a huge amount of experience in uh, building organizations and running them and, and, and so on and so forth. And, and you fully understand what is required uh, in, in, in the trading world. So how have you structured so-called, you know, your so-called organization as it is today with the AUM you have right now? How, how, do, you, how do you do that and still make it attractive for um, investors, maybe even institutional investors, to take you serious, right? So um, it's not easy, uh, I would say. Um, but and I think the reality is that uh, if, if you're going to try to make a go at this business, you need to have some monies yourself sure. that you can put up. Um, uh, so you know, I think that uh, you need a few million dollars uh, that, that that you can put into the business. Uh, yourself yeah. um maybe you can go to uh, a family member of two and ask for a million or two and maybe you have a friend or a business associate from your prior uh you know your prior uh, life and um and maybe they'll put up uh, you know a couple of million bucks mm -hmm. right so so if you can get out of the gate uh somewhere around five and even better around ten but i think you know that's sort of sort of a minimum level where you you gotta you know we sort of gotta start sure. and um and i think that uh, you probably can't expect to get any other monies uh from sort of any outside uh investors for the you know probably 18 months i would think is is 18 to 24 months is probably the first uh time which is around where we are right now okay and 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 we are getting more inquiries now than ever. Mm -hmm. um, and it's from, I would call them sort of early adopter, uh, but institutional clients, right. but, but probably institutional clients that I would classify as, as uh, very uh, knowledgeable about this particular industry. Sure. Right? So they're very comfortable 
they understand the underlying uh, sort of investment strategies. They, they, they're very comfortable with the type of trading activity that goes on in these markets. And they, they understand the risk associated with it and the volatility. And they, they, so they really, they really understand. But they, they, and they like, they like actually to, to uh, make investments around this time frame. And I think the reason is, as you mentioned in your opening, um, sort of a opening uh, commentary is that you know we've done some some research and it's, it's very easy to do uh, when you look at the b top 50 um firms which is a, there's about 20 of them in there and uh, it's very clear to see all of them had their best performance in the first say three to five years in business sure and and the average performance was around 20 percent which is pretty outstanding. And and by the way, these firms, they launched at all different times, right? It's not like they all learned, launched right. 30 years ago. Some were 30 years ago, some 20, some 10 years ago, right? So they, they were sort of fairly well dispersed. Sure. And But in common, they all had their best returns in their first years of business. And, and then subsequently, they got a lot of money on the management. They're very successful. And, and they continue to be successful, I would say, but at a lower level. Right, so the the returns are almost half, sure. uh, sort of the annualized returns of almost half than where they were in the the very first years, and perhaps equally important, uh, their behavior, uh, their their correlations have converged. Yeah. Right. So when you are an early adopter looking for an emerging money manager, and you really understand the business and you know what you're doing, you are in the sweet spot. Right, you're you're really you, the opportunity is a sweet spot to make an investment with a good, solid, emerging money manager, somebody that you feel comfortable with, that you think has the proper credibility and can run an organization and understands you understand their edge and you believe in it. You are really sourcing for a sweet spot. Yeah. Um. You, you know. So. So I think. <laughs> I think that's. I, I sort of think that's where we are right now. We've been fortunate. Our timing. Uh, for launch was pretty good. Yeah, as I mentioned to you, we're annualizing a little over nineteen percent so far, and our shop is uh, running around two, uh, which is which is uh, very high from for uh, for historical standards in this in this space. I think the historical shop of the B top fifty is closer to point seven. Indeed, indeed, but of course. In, you know, uh, obviously over a much longer period of time, right. uh, which is, uh, and, and uh, but I mean, there's no doubt that you've had a very solid uh, start uh, to, to your live performance. And, uh, and of course, I've also seen uh, the historical uh, simulations of your systems and, and they look very intriguing. Now, I, before we move into the real sort of nitty gritty of the system and trading, I just want to pick your brain a little bit about, um, because of all your experience in sort of the the, 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 the the larger organizational structures, but then, you know, applying it to a small organization today, what have you kept in-house and what have you outsourced uh, to the partners that you uh, mentioned that you can use when you're small? Right. So, so uh, some of the things that we, so what we're doing in-house is, is, uh, is clearly we're doing the research. Yeah. So my son is, is is primarily focused on the research. He's the one that has more of a quant background, and, sure. and so he 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 does a lot of the the research and the testing and so forth and so on. Uh, of course, I participate in that. I uh, am. 
quite focused in uh, sort of overseeing the models and the operational side of it on a day-to-day basis that it's running properly and, and, and so forth sure. and so on. Um, <clears throat> we are we are looking to um, we are in the process of setting up uh, uh, our our servers into a co-location site at NY4. Uh, and the reason we want to do that is for having, you know, more subtle, subtle I mean, a more uh, a sort of robust infrastructure, I would say, mm-hmm. and uh, better redundancy and closer to the markets and so forth. Uh, so, so I would call that sort of a, a sort of a little bit like an outsource, mm-hmm. uh, right? In, instead of running everything internally with the internal computer centers and network and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Sure. Um, the other thing we've done is uh, we partnered up recently. Uh, with a firm called Worth Venture Partners. Mm-hmm. And Worth Venture Partners is an emerging uh, hedge fund manager platform, an institutional emerging hedge fund manager platform. And so what makes them institutional is that they have a, uh, a, 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 a broader staff. Uh, they have... Uh, 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 you know, uh, hundreds of millions under management. Sure, sure. They have they specialize in in uh, identifying emerging managers that they think have potential. Currently, they have about uh, a handful. So we're the we're we're just about to be uh, onboarded. We're launching here in April. Okay. So so we be the the sixth uh, manager. And and it, they have sort of diversified strategies, right? We're we're one particular strategy, and all the other guys are doing other things. But essentially, what they do is they come in and they do deep dive due diligence. Uh, they do uh, real time monitoring and operational due diligence mm-hmm. ongoing. Uh, they monitor for risk and leverage and concentration risk. They do um, they keep books and records. They do uh, strike NAVs. They provide compliance oversight and regulatory oversight, right? So, okay. so the benefit there is is that it's not really something that 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 we think provides us an edge if we were to in-house it, right? Um, but and and also the expense for us obviously would be would be very significant. Um, so for us to outsource it, and and actually in 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 this case of Worth Ventures. Uh, they provide a, uh, a a hedge fund sleeve, so we're part of their uh, co-mingled diversified program. But at the same time, we have an independent standalone uh, investment sleeve, which means that our investors, rather than managing uh, multiple managed accounts, we can aggregate funds into the prolific sleeve. Mm-hmm. And we can manage uh, manage the funds on an aggregated basis uh, there, and that's sort of third party oversight, right? It's sort yeah. of sort of third party independent oversight of that monies and and striking the the, the NABs and reporting the numbers, et cetera, et cetera. Sure, sure, that makes sense. So uh, yeah, does that sort of uh, you know those are, those that's sort of I think some of the things that are that are that are necessary when you are. When you're trying to start up something from a, um, uh, you know, in really in an emerging manager perspective, right? I mean, the other way is that if you are somebody who is very well known in the business, and maybe you've been managing monies for 20 years at Goldman Sachs, and you have a whole team there, and you spin out of Goldman Sachs, 
you know, it's very likely that you can get funded with, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars and you may decide to set up your whole entire infrastructure from scratch and run the whole thing. But that's, of course, because you have a very large asset base mm. starting off, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. have one last question i promise on on sort of organizational but i, I do find your background uh, super interesting and and very relevant and i i think sometimes people underestimate the importance of the organization actually especially in these kind of businesses where usually there are not that many people so the people who are there generally have to uh, um you know work very well together so in in your experience in the past, and maybe it's probably the Bloomberg experience for the most part, but and looking into the future, and hopefully prolific capital will will grow, and you're going to have the same face the same challenge um, uh, within your own organization. But but how do you build a strong culture in an organization? In your opinion, what's been your experience in that? Uh, that's uh, yeah, that's interesting that you that you ask me that because. Um I, you know, I, I, I worked for Bloomberg for about uh, 15 years and Bloomberg has an, an incredibly strong uh, yeah. culture yeah. and, um, and it's a real, uh, it's a real, uh, talent and effort to build such a culture. Mm -hmm. And it, and it, it takes, I think it takes a lot of effort and, and a lot of time and it is a very valuable thing to have. Yeah. Um, and uh, it has something to do. It, it has. It, there's a lot of elements that go into this. Um, but but I give you an example from uh, from Bloomberg. I'll give you a few examples from Bloomberg, sure. which sort of really captures the culture in, in many ways. For one, uh, Mike made sure that our incentive across the organization, regardless of various departments, was singularly focused on the Bloomberg terminal. So mm -hmm. everybody in the entire organization was uh, remunerated. The bonus was, was linked into the performance of, of, of the sales and the growth of this, uh, this product. Okay. Right. So that's uh, one way just to align the organization in a, in a very powerful way. Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing is uh, is something that is extremely powerful and I think uh, insightful from uh, Mike is that he had one pricing policy. Okay. So uh, regardless of whether you took two or a thousand terminals, the price would be the same per unit. Mm -hmm. So imagine the impact on the entire uh, organization, all the people and the culture as a, as a consequence is that when price is off the table, the entire organization has to focus on supporting and validating the, 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 the cost of, of, of this terminal. And the, the, the value proposition has to be always very clearly understood and articulated mm -hmm. because there is no discounting. Right. right? <laughs> that means the analytics have to justify the cost. The sales people have to justify the cost. The support people have to justify the cost. The contract people have to support the cost. The service, every, the entire organization has to sort of rally around validating uh, 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 this cost of the product. Mm -hmm. right? So 
So this was a very powerful thing. And I think uh, Bloomberg uh, recognized this in, in the way that he competed with uh, Reuters, you know, the various other market data vendors. And Mike was basically prepared to say, listen, if you can't support the price point, we're just going to close down the business. Mm. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. It's fascinating, and 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 maybe I'm completely wrong here, but it seems to me that that kind of philosophy would work very well in our industry because everything, everyone in an organization of a alternative investment fund or hedge fund or CTA, whatever we call it, are all focused on, or should be, of creating the best possible output of the program because that's what's really going to make a difference to the investors whom we ultimately, you know, are privileged to serve and care for. That's right. I mean, I think, I think the sort of two, three things that are absolutely uh, paramount, right. Is that number one, you have to turn, you have to be able to show a positive uh, and attractive revenue stream. Mm -hmm. You have to, uh, I think, as a, an emerging manager, I think it's important to uh, show a differentiating value proposition. Mm. In other, or another way to say that is, you've got to be have a low correlation. In 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 our case, we benchmark against B top fifty. Sure. So I think it's important for us to show a low correlation to that peer group. Yeah. And thirdly, uh, your risk adjusted returns have to be uh, really good. Another way also to say that, right? Your shop ratio sure. has to be very attractive. And, and I think those are, I think those are the key components to, uh, uh, you know, to sort of how you market or present, uh, you know, our product. And uh, if you have those three, I, I think you have a shot. It's not mm. that it's easy because it's hard to break in uh, to this business for sure. Yeah. But but I think those are sort of the three components. And if you can if you can keep producing the quality in those three uh, categories, uh, I I have to believe that uh, you know over time <laughs> you'll be able to grow your assets. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for today. And remember that if you want to listen to the full conversation with Kim, please go to toptradersonplug.com forward slash 77 and forward slash 78. Now, if you like this short insightful clip from a past episode of the show, then I'm pretty sure you'll enjoy the book I'm giving away right now. It's called The Many Flavors of Trend Following. And it includes some of my best insights on this, perhaps the most dependable and consistent yet often overlooked investment strategy. And you can get a free copy of the book right now by going to toptradersonplug.com forward slash book and start your own journey today. Again, just hop over to toptradersonplug.com forward slash book and make sure to subscribe to the podcast or YouTube channel where I'll be back next week with more exciting and engaging conversations. Until next time, take care.